when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, babe, what's going on? Hey, not much, Shane, but obviously not a ton of news to go around the SEC, but I think I found a way to piss off about 10 or 12 of these 14 (laughs) fan bases because we're going to make, or at least I'm going to make my official SEC predictions for the coming season. Does that sound good to you? It sounds great, man. The thing is, Mike, when you came out with this thing, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm doing another list. You know, (laughs) I've got burnt several times over the summer. I don't want to do lists. So if you want to tweet at SEC Mike, you can. This has nothing to do with Shane. I'm just here to tell the nation that his picks are wrong. I'm going to be the first voice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mike, the one good thing is, this is the last week without some sort of football content. You know what I'm saying? Because you know what time of the year it is, Mike. Yeah, it's time for Last Chance You and Hard Knocks. Knock on wood if you're with me. So we got a trailer here for Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks is actually not going to be playing here until I think August 11th is the official start mm-hmm. of Hard Knocks. But we got Last Chance You coming out in a week. But this, uh, I don't know about you, Shane, but anytime I get to watching these hard knocks, that's when the, the season feels like it's right around the corner. It feels like it's, you know, it's finally real after the long off season. We got the mm-hmm. Los Angeles Rams, Los Angeles Chargers. First time ever they're doing two teams on HBO's mm-hmm. hard knocks. So let's kick it over to the little uh, teaser trailer they just announced. Good to be back, man. That's how much we miss football that we're getting a double feature. Ain't that something, Mike? <laughs> man, just listen to that <laughs> intro, man. It's getting me pretty fired up for some football. Oh, me too. I mean, because everybody's fiending for college football. I mean, you're listening to that SEC podcast. You want some content. And uh, I'm, I'm always uh, – this is like a time-honored tradition now, man. Last five, six years, it's always been last chance you – and then by the time you get that knocked out, then here comes hard knocks. You know what I'm saying? And then next thing you know, it's preseason. Then it's college football. And then it's just it's just game on, man. So this is this is it, man. We're on the outside. And it sounds to me, Mike, you know, I'm here in Texas 
says high school players can go. I'm here in Tennessee saying high school players can go. It, it's If high school ball is playing, my friend, college football is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, let's just jump right into it because like we teased there in the intro, with not a lot of news, this is just going to be an official predictions podcast. Mm-hmm. You ready to uh, mock my selections like the internet is uh, getting ready to do? Absolutely. I'm ready to mock Michael's predictions, <laughs> not Shane's, Mike's. <laughs> All right, well, let's start off in the SEC East. This is how I would have voted had they had media days as normal and let us make our predictions and all that. And I'm going to start at the bottom. We'll leave some little little drama here at the top of the poll. But last place, number seven in the SEC East. I got to go Vanderbilt on this one. Make it down. You know, the Commodores coming off a three-win season, changed both coordinators, changing the entire quarterback room. Don't have a ton of faith there in Derek Mason to turn this thing around. You know, he's not even had a winning season yet at Vanderbilt, yet they're turning around and giving him raises. I don't know if you saw that in the news here recently, but, (laughs) oh, man. So I just don't really see – I know there's a new coach here in the SEC East, but I'm giving the seventh spot to Vanderbilt. I just don't have much faith in the Commodores this year. Do you take any issue with that selection? But, Mike, they're bringing so much talent back. You know? Well, they are, but <laughs> bringing players know, back that didn't play that well last year, I don't, that just doesn't really mean a ton to me. You know what? But I do I do think that they're going to be more competitive next year. I mean, hell, they got to be. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there were some games they just didn't even belong on the field last year, but I would hope that bringing back some sort of continuity with that depth that at least they can go into a couple more of these games and who knows have a couple upsets. So I'm not, I, I'm with you. It's hard to say. It's it's hard to say Vandy's not going to be last in the East, but uh, I, I think that they do take a step forward this year, even though they got a lot of a lot of staff to replace. Yeah, and I wonder. You, you remember this time last year we were all enamored with, um, you know, their trio there of running back mm-hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn and Jared Pinkney at tight end and Kalijah Lipscomb at receiver. And that just never clicked. And as crazy as it may sound, I wonder if they get better now that they don't have to force feed these guys, now that you know it's a more balanced attack, you don't know what's coming. Certainly losing three of your better players, it's hard <laughs> to spin that as a good thing. But, hell, they didn't do much with them, so maybe it'll, it will turn out to be a good thing for them. Well, here's here's just a little spin zone for you, Mike. They haven't had air conditioner, you know, in their in their workout facility, so they're probably harder than anybody in the SEC. And then on top of that, you you know, there was times that last year there was some some rumblings that there was some issues in the locker room, and who knows that maybe it had something to do with those bigs, you know, just maybe just not putting in the work in because they thought they. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that there there were reports coming out that the locker room did have issues. So who knows? Maybe this uh, this younger class takes over this season and, and, and you know, puts the team first. Mm-hmm. All right, number six in the SEC East. This is when I start to piss people off, I would imagine. <laughs> I'm going to go the Missouri Tigers. Ooh. And I almost wanted to pick them fifth, just like our guy Brett Sianca pick six previews. You know, he came out – he. I think he surprised some people by putting South Carolina six, Missouri number five. But for me, you know, I'll just reveal that too as well. South Carolina got them number five. So I've got them flip-flop on what Brett's got them. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I just think South Carolina is going to have a distinct advantage at the quarterback position mm-hmm. and the defensive line position. And those are two of the most important positions in all of football. So – that was kind of the big thing for me. That game this year is, of course, at South Carolina as well, so that could give them an advantage in that just that head-to-head matchup. But you know, I'm going to be very interested to see because I'm not very confident about these selections. Like, you know, we've kind of been playing it up here lately with Coach Drinkowitz. If he's able to get that offense going, if he can get some solid quarterback play. You know, I could, I'll be dead wrong about Missouri because I think they're going to surprise some people in the East. But I just don't see that, you know, with a huge question mark at that quarterback position, 
And mm-hmm. whereas at South Carolina, we know we got Helensky, and I'm even hearing good things about the Colorado State transfer, uh, Colin Hill, to where he yeah. he could be the starting quarterback just based on the fact that he knows Mike Bobo's system inside and out. And he mm-hmm. Helensky didn't get much of a spring to work in it. He's not yet gotten the training camp to work in it. So don't be surprised if Colin Hill starts. And if he does, I think that says that he's a – good player and it doesn't say anything bad about Helensky. I just think it it says that uh, they actually picked up a really quality uh, quarterback from Colorado State with some starting experience so combining all those factors I got South Carolina giving them the slight edge in the east what are your thoughts on that South Carolina number five Missouri number six well a lot lot to unfold there Mike um, you know I'm I don't know what it is with Mizzou but they always grow on me late in the summer you know, it's like they pick up that that late summer buzz, and and I'll tell you what, it, it's about this staff. I, I I just think that they're going to come out this offense. You know, Mizzou was fun. If you think about when they were just airing it out like crazy with Locke, and uh, you could go back even further with like Brad Smith. You remember him? Just mm-hmm. it, it was a it was exciting offense to to run. I think that's what Coach uh, Drinkwitz is going to be bringing to this program. And who knows? It could be enough to catch a few of these teams off guard and uh, and move them further up the ranks. I'm with you because South Carolina, I, I still don't think there's a quarterback controversy. I may be wrong, but, you know, I uh, it, it wouldn't blow my mind. But I just – I like what Mike has done in the past, Bobo. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm a – I'm a huge fan of obviously this this running back core. I, I think South Carolina's got a few missing pieces on the outside, but I think just the fact that if you do bring Ryan a healthy Ryan Helensky back, I think that they're going to be okay, man. Another thing you got, I mean, you got to admit, coach is always putting people in the league with South Carolina. I mean, he takes he makes that defense better. So. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't, I, you know, those that that last group could go either way. And let me ask you because a lot of folks are going to be looking at this: Are you factoring in the schedule, or I mean, because there's so many misses, missing pieces right now, or, or are you just saying neutral field? These two teams line up. M- Missouri would lose to South Carolina. Is that what you're doing? No, I'm just trying to predict SEC who's how they're going to finish SEC record wise. So. Okay. If I got Missouri six and South Carolina five, I think South Carolina will have a better SEC record than Missouri. So, you know, okay. we don't know what we're getting with the non-conference, but for sure I think we're going to get SEC games. So so I'm just kind of not necessarily who would win on a neutral field because not all these schedules are the same. Okay. And that is an interesting question because that is one thing Missouri could really have. I mean, just looking at the schedule – they do have a distinct advantage over South Carolina. Missouri out of the West. Mm-hmm. They catch Arkansas and Mississippi State, which those are matchups you got to think you got at least a good fighting shot. Whereas South Carolina, you catch LSU and Texas A&M. So, mm. I mean, my goodness, that's a – That's what – that's what I was wondering, like, because I like Mizzou's schedule better than South Carolina. So – not saying that they're going to beat Mississippi State or Arkansas, but I think that their their opportunity would be better than going against Texas A and M uh, and and LSU. Obviously, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I that I, we're we're picking hairs here. I mean, we're not talking about the lead of the SEC, but uh, out of both of those teams, which one would you be less surprised if they took a step further? Like if they actually became a force in the east this year like who who has a better chance of progressing i think that's why i'm gonna go south carolina still because i really like their like i said their defensive line and you know it's real easy to look at helensky last year and say you know i've heard some south carolina fans say you know let's let's go to luke Doty, the true freshman and that you know it's nothing against that kid but you're just gonna go through the same things where you know it's incredibly difficult to just walk into the sec and play extremely well as a true freshman. Hardly anyone does it. Mm-hmm. And you factor in the fact Ryan Helinski was hurt. Brian Edwards got hurt at the tail end of the year. I mean, it was just not a good scenario. I mean, Helinski was coming in to redshirt, if you recall, behind Jake Bentley. 
he got forced into action. So I think if Helinski takes a big step in his second year, which is certainly possible. Remember, this guy was, I think, number four quarterback in the nation when he came in. So yeah. he's got the talent. Uh, you, you mentioned it there. Will Muschamp really develops that def- those defensive players, particularly on the defensive line here recently. I think South Carolina's got enough talent to surprise. Mm-hmm. I got you. All right, so number four in the East. This is a, this going to be a big surprise to a lot of people, Shane. SEC East, number four, the Georgia Bulldogs. Are you? No, you're not. <laughs> you're not being serious, are you? No. <laughs> because I'm, I'm about to just hang up. <laughs> you know, it's like, let me let me save this podcast, Mike, and just stop you right there. <laughs> I'm just joking. They've they've been uh, giving me a hard time for how I've been protecting them predicting them that's all off season. So I'm just, I'm just joking the with them. But. You've been, you've been predicting that Georgia beats Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're constantly putting Georgia material up in the, uh, on the, that sec podcast website. So, you know, I, there couldn't be more of a Georgia Homer than you right now. <laughs> so, uh, go easy. Well, uh, that, that may change. We haven't got to that first spot yet. Who do you really have at the fourth spot? Number four, I got Kentucky Wildcats. And this was a real toss-up for me because I know you're a Tennessee homer. I'll just go number there, number three. That's where I got Tennessee. You know, kind of the same things there with South Carolina, Missouri, because I think there's an opportunity for Kentucky to have an easier path to mm-hmm. that third seed in the SEC East. Uh, they do have to go to Gainesville, but hell. They, they've proven they can win in Gainesville, you know? So uh, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I think for me, I, I would have probably picked Kentucky number three if they can show that they can beat Tennessee, but they just haven't been able to do it. And that game, being in Neyland Stadium, yeah. you know, you got to give the edge to Tennessee just looking at uh, these two rosters and the history of this rivalry. So that's that was a big factor for me having Tennessee number three, but – I think Kentucky, like I said, I've been trying to kind of hint at this all off season. I think the SEC East is going to be better than the West this year mm. because, like you said, I think Georgia's going to defeat Alabama on the road. I think Kentucky's going to go on the road and beat Auburn. So these are the games you need to win to prove that. Can Florida beat LSU? Can Tennessee possibly beat Alabama? I'm not saying that's going to happen, but – you know, these are the games that you need to win to prove that. And I think Kentucky's going to do a lot to to show they are. You know, I've seen Phil still. I think he's got him at number 21 in the nation. And mm-hmm. I think that's fair. And I just think, you know, putting Kentucky number four is probably going to make some Wildcat fans mad. But it, that's less to, to do with, you know, Kentucky historically not being picked among the top of the SECs. But it's just got to do with me with I think Florida and Georgia both being top five teams nationally and Tennessee right in that top 20 range as well. So it's Mm -hmm. it's just a bad time right now for Kentucky. But like I said, I think the margin between Tennessee and Kentucky is very small. Uh, But for me, I think I've been kind of clear on this all offseason, nothing against Terry Wilson, but I just don't think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC and they've already they've got kind of questions at receiver. Well, not so much of a talent, but you know a lack of production here in recent times. And a lot of that obviously has to do with the struggles at having a healthy quarterback on the field. But um, mm-hmm. I'm, so I'm kind of very curious to see how that unit progresses because I think Kentucky's going to have maybe the best running attack in the SEC. And if that defense is as stout as some people are making it out to be, um, hell, I think Kentucky may even stun some people and have another, you know, 10 win season here. So thoughts on Kentucky being ranked number four in the East. One second. I'm, te- I'm texting Matt Jones here. Just <laughs> let him know <laughs> when this pod's going to hit. Um, uh, now I, you, you said a lot of great points, Mike, but there's a lot of people that got the big blue nation circled this year that they've got the best offense. And there, there's a lot of people saying the best offensive line in the sec. There's a lot of people saying that's the best running back group group in the sec. They're saying a lot of people that, that Terry's never looked better and that he's going to add a little bit extra to the big blue nation this year. You know, the defense should improve. There's, there's a whole bunch of good things you know, going on up there in Kentucky. And 
And it sounds to me like you've got a lot of these teams paired up in the East. Like it feels like you've got Florida, Georgia, 1A, 1B, you know, Mm -hmm. Tennessee, Kentucky, 2A, 2B. It feels like it's kind of tiered here. Um, So what you're saying, it almost feels like that this could really come down to Tennessee and Kentucky in that final game. And right now you're willing to give Tennessee the nod, just the fact that Kentucky hasn't been able to beat them. Is that, is that what I'm getting? Yeah. I mean, that's a big, that's a, that's a real big part of it. And I mean, it's, it's hard to lose to a team in the same division and then finish with a better overall record than them. You know what? Right. No, I, I, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Obviously I, I like that. But I, there are a lot of people that that truly believe that this is the year Kentucky makes a push in the East. Is that crazy talk? Is it crazy to think that this is the year that Kentucky could actually beat Florida or Georgia, not just Tennessee, that they could actually compete for an East? No, I, I mean, I, I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, it seems like if you got some, if you did get some production from that receiving core, and if the defense is going to be as good as I think that it will be, and this line is, you know, the, the, what they were able to do last year with this rushing attack, and now you throw in a quarterback, Terry Wilson, that can not only run, maybe not as productive as Lynn, but, you know, now he's he's an actual dual threat. And people can't load the box because that's exactly what they were doing at times last year. So, I don't know. I I, I could see. I could see it. I could see K- Kentucky upset. I mean, they've beat Florida before. You know, if they start out of the gate and they're more prepared, which I think they will be. Uh, that's one thing. Coaches Stoops has always got these boys ready. And since you have so much continuity, and if you hit the season running, man – Watch out, dude. If they beat Florida again, then uh, people are going to be talking about Kentucky actually having a shot to win this thing. But They do catch Tennessee and Georgia two of the last four weeks of the season. So maybe mm-hmm. they, build, they build a lot of momentum into those games. And this is kind of important. They get two weeks to prepare for that Tennessee game. So they'll be, they're on the mm-hmm. bye the week before. So who knows? I mean, that, that, could be, that could be a huge factor in that game as well. Now... Let me play a little devil's advocate because on the opposite side of your little 2A, 2B tier is the Tennessee Volunteers. Obviously, I'm a homer. I love these guys. And I think that they also are taking a step forward. One could argue that they have the best offensive line in the SEC, that their running back core is getting stronger, that if they get some sort of production out of – I mean, it's almost crazy how similar these teams are right now, Mike. You know, when you talk about Kentucky and Tennessee, they got – if they need the production from the quarterback that just has been – both of them have been – inconsistent at times mm-hmm. if you will the defense both of them are they showed tremendous improvement last season and i believe they both are getting stronger it's just it's almost crazy how similar these two teams are uh going into this season yeah and for tennessee you know you're losing a couple of key defensive pieces like daniel batuli i mean it just seems like every time there was a big tackle made last year it was daniel mm-hmm. batuli making it but, but you got a potential All-American replacing him in Henry Toa Toa. Uh, Nigel Warrior played the best football of his life last year. But, mm-hmm. you know, nothing against the kid. But he was, in my opinion, he just wasn't that good until last year. So was that more of the coaches getting more out of him? Because they got tons of, you know, safeties and corners and, and nickelbacks to, to kind of replace him. So it's yeah. almost like the – the issues on the defensive side, I got a lot of confidence in Tennessee and their staff being able to, you know, get the similar production out of the players they got in. And, hell, the defense is probably going to be even deeper. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, you know, the offensive line, we're we're big. That's why we were so big on Georgia last offseason. We're, you know, not a lot of people love to talk line play, particularly offensive line, but that's kind of what we key in on. Yeah. Now we're, we're still waiting for Cade Mays to be eligible. That's a huge piece of the puzzle in my mind because I don't think there's any chance Tennessee is going to be the best offensive line in the SEC without him. So they mm-hmm. need that piece there. But if they have him in that lineup, certainly they're right in the mix. They could prove to be that by the end of the year. Uh, but one thing you didn't hit on, well, actually, there's two now with Austin Pope going down, but 
even if Jarrett Garantano or Harrison Bailey or Brian Maurer, whoever it is, even if they play, you know, out of their mind football this year, I'm not totally convinced that Tennessee is going to have enough weapons to help those quarterbacks out because we're talking a totally inexperienced tight end room now, and we're talking a receiver core that uh, Josh Palmer, I think he's, you know, potentially a big breakout candidate in the SEC this year, but mm-hmm. I'm looking around the rest of the room and I'm not seeing much. We're, you know, we're kind of hoping for the Georgia transfer, D'Angelo Gibbs. Maybe he has a breakout year. Rock. They just signed a ton of receivers that I love that I think they're going to, you know, be some big time players, but can they do that immediately? I don't know. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not a slam dunk. That's, that's another issue why that I, I think the gap between Florida, or excuse me, Kentucky and Tennessee is so small because I got questions on Tennessee's roster as well. Mm-hmm. But like you hinted at the other day, Eric Gray, I mean, he might, I don't think he's going to lead the SEC in rushing, but um, I think, because I think he's more of like an Alvin Kamara type where you don't want to get, yeah. you don't want to give him the ball 25 carries a game, but you, you know, just, you can use him in so many different ways. He's, he's explosive in the passing game. Uh, he's quick. He's shifty. I mean, he could be the breakout star in the SEC, uh, but so you got to factor in that as well. Well, that's I, I was watching that uh, Indiana game the other day, and it was just how many times they just fed him the ball out of the backfield. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just it kind of felt like Alvin was back again there for a minute. So if they improve on, and I'm sure I'm sure Cheney will. You know that could that could be a fun little offense, but then. But then you could say the same thing about Kentucky when you look up there and you got my boy Cavassier and you got Rose and Rodriguez. I mean, that's a that's a three-headed monster, you know. So uh, this is this is going to be an interesting year in the East, I think, you know. I think the lines are getting a little thinner over there. Mm-hmm. All right, well, here's where I really piss people off. <laughs> I mean, oh god. I mean, it's it's almost like they want us I all. We want the, everyone wants to be a winner, but there can be only one Shane. <laughs> and I'm going. Well, I'll just do it in duos here again. Florida Gators number one, Georgia Bulldogs number two by the slightest of margins. And you know the biggest key for me, I've been saying it all off season, is that continuity on Florida's staff and with the returning quarterback and offensive line. And, hell, they even got Stuart Reese recently from Mississippi State, who's going to be a grad transfer that is going to make that offensive line even better that already knows Dan Mullen's system. But if you think about college football, you know, the teams that are doing so outstanding, because I keep hearing about Georgia's defense, and it is, you know, it's probably better than the hype, <laughs> which is incredible to say because it's been so hyped this off season And, I'm not discounting any of that. And, you know, I've been on here all the time talking about what I think of uh, of JT Daniels and his potential. I think that's through the roof. Not as high, obviously, on Jamie Newman. But look at the teams that have dominated college football here recently. How many of those teams are dominant defensive teams? I can't think of any. And that's not to say that Georgia's going to be terrible, but – Right. I just don't think you can win the SEC and two college football playoff games without a dynamic offense, and that's why Kirby Smart's made this change. So maybe all the pieces fit into puzzle immediately, but when you're talking a totally rebuilt offensive line, you're talking mm-hmm. a new – hell, now we got a quarterback battle here, new system. I just don't think that Georgia's going to be able to put that together in an expedited – off season here without the time and I think it just makes that slight difference there to where I think Dan Mullen's program I think it's the opposite I think uh, with Kyle Trask who I rate as the SEC's best quarterback and they've got you know I knew they lost some receivers this off season but Kyle Pitts is probably going to be the best tight end and they've got a number of good receivers I'm, I'm really high on Kadarius Toney who was injured last year I don't know. I think they'll go, they're going to have the pieces to be very dynamic, and that's what I love about the Dan Mullen offense is, you know, he adjusts to his personnel better than just about any coach in the SEC. So it doesn't matter, you know, one game they may have to throw it fifty times, the next game they may have to wow. rush it fifty times, but you know they're going to they're going to do with the defense's weakness. They're going to go against that and exploit it on a weekend week out basis. I think, and I think that's going to be just enough to get it done there 
in Jacksonville, world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I think Florida wins that one. But having said all that, before mm-hmm. Georgia fans get too pissed off, hell, if you beat Alabama like I think you will and you run the rest of the table, the Florida game's the only game you lose. I think for the first time ever we could see two SEC East teams make the college football playoff in the same year. How crazy would that be? I see what you did there, Mike. The long play. All right. And it is thundering here, you know, <laughs> and speaking of Zeus, yeah, <laughs> I just, uh, I just, I'm looking at this offense and I, I, you know, I think the moves that Georgia made in the off season were strictly just to get more production on their offense. They don't need any more help defensively. Uh, it's going to be an absolute unit. We know that. But the pieces that they're putting together in the offseason has really got me intrigued, man. I mean, here you got a quarterback controversy now. Some say, uh, I mean, even you said that uh, JT could start for, what, eight teams in the SEC mm-hmm. easily? Mm-hmm. And and I'm, I'm looking at their, their weapons. They've got some, you know. George Pickens is arguably one of the best wide receivers, if not – going to be eventually the best wide receiver in the league. You know, they've got a running back. I've already talked about Zeus, but you got James Cook coming back. I just, they've got so many pieces that they can potentially work with. We've got a new coordinator. I just, I, I think that George is going to play different ball this year. And that's what they've got to do, man, because the way they were playing it wasn't going to win championships. It's not, it's not like the old days defense wins championships. Something that you hit on. But I'm also looking at this thing coming down to one game, and it's going to be held in Jacksonville, just like it is every single year. And just like the Tennessee-Kentucky matchup, until Kentucky beats Tennessee, it's hard to put them over. It's hard for me to put Florida over Georgia when Georgia has been owning it lately. So Mm -hmm. that's why I would kind of probably steer the other way. But again – if they beat Alabama, then and they only lose one game, how can you keep them out of the playoffs? You know, if there is playoffs, I'm sure there will be, but this team will never drop out of the top ten. You know what I'm saying? This is a this is a legit shot, and uh, the East is really like I said, it's it's you may be right. It may be the year that they're actually better than the West. Mm. All right, well, let's jump on over to the West. Speaking of that. Now I've, and real quick, Bulldog fans, that is that SEC Mike, <laughs> all right? Not Shane. <laughs> Jumping over to the SEC West, I really struggled. I mean, we, we're talking about, you know, pairing teams in the East there. This was basically a trio here that I had to pair. And, man, I flip-flopped these teams basically all off season, But I got to pick one team. That's going to finish dead last. And I hate to do this to you, but I'm going Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is going to finish last in the West this year. And, you know, coming off a four-win season, I've said it all off season. I think they could have won six or seven. You know, could have, you know, a call here went a different direction. Or maybe you don't have a turnover in this game when you did. So that's that's kind of why it's so troubling for me. And I, I'm so high on John Rice Plumley. I mean, if he takes a huge step forward in the Kiffin offense, I'm going to look like a damn fool because <laughs> Ole Miss is potentially going to be awesome next year. So yeah, this was just really a struggle for me. But I just I don't have a ton of faith in a lot of what I'm hearing out of Oxford right now. You know, Lane Kiffin coming, coming out and saying he doesn't know his players and we're dead last in recruiting. I mean, they've got like six commits here in Oxford right, right now. And I don't, I don't know. I'm just struggling here. And I, didn't, I don't care for either coordinator hire. Now, maybe these guys will surprise me. But when you talk about, you know, a slim margin of error here mm-hmm. and look at it this way, this is kind of another way. I don't like to particularly look at the schedules too hard, but you open the season against Baylor, who was in the Sugar Bowl last year. Right. Week three, you got Auburn. Week four, you got at LSU. Week five, you're Alabama. I mean, my mm. God, like I, I could very easily see this team going down a, you know, one and four, two and three type hole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a very, very difficult thing to pull yourself out of under a new staff 
with so with all that taking all that into consideration, I'm going Ole Miss number seven. Mm. What year did you graduate University of Tennessee? <laughs> uh, 2010. Oh, okay. So it was right after Lane Kiffin quit. Okay, so <laughs> call me nuts, but I feel like the grudge has carried on the late train torch, Mike. <laughs> oh man, I I don't know. You say a lot of great points, and again, it's so hard to to base off scheduling. But I just man, I love the weapons at Ole Miss. I mean, they don't have that many, but what they do. It could really be some game changers, you know. I, I think they got one of the sneakiest running backs out there, and I'm, you know my love for Plumtree. So, um, and and again, I know his name's Plumley, but Plumtree is a <laughs> is a joke that we started last year, and I'm going to keep rolling with it until it. Uh, their cross division game is Florida too. Exactly, and long as long as they don't have players pissing on the football, they're probably they may beat Mississippi State this year. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just. I, I think Ole Miss is – I don't know, man. It's it's like you said. It's a three-headed monster, but it's not – it's like that all through the West, you know. I mean, you're going to get some of these other teams, and, hell, I don't know how you're going to pick who you think is going to win. Uh, that Ole Miss, that Arkansas, that Mississippi State, that's just a, just a, a mess. And I could see either team popping, and I could see – one of the teams flopping. So um, you had to pick one. You did it with Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And then, so number six, I got the Arkansas Razorbacks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've kind of come out here recently and said, I could see Arkansas winning multiple SEC games, which, hell, you go two and six in the SEC, not a lot of people be happy with that. But unfortunately for the Razorbacks, coming off two 0 and 8, you know, back-to-back SEC campaigns, I think they'll take two and six to start the Sam Pittman era. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think that's that stretch, that far of a stretch. I mean, we know Arkansas has been god-awful, but I just really think that had to do more with Chad Morris not being suited to be a head coach in the SEC. We just mm-hmm. saw John Chavis, if you haven't heard it. I mean, he's a middle school assistant coach now, and he was making – Close to $2 million to run the Arkansas defense. I mean, they just – and I don't even know what happened to the offensive coordinator. I don't even know if he's in coaching anymore. So, it's like these, these are the people you had, and now we got Sam Pittman. We got Barry Odom. We got Kendall Browse. And we got Georgia's special teams coordinator to, to run the ship here at Arkansas. And, you know, I know this is a little bit off the radar, but they just announced the uh, Lou Groza Award, you know, watch list today. And mm-hmm. that goes to the kicker of the year, obviously. And hell, Arkansas's got a guy on there. And I'm, I'm like, there's no way in hell they got a guy on there. But I had forgotten, you know, they landed a graduate transfer from Duke who was an outstanding kicker. So, <laughs> I mean, these are just the small pieces that this coaching mm-hmm. staff is already doing. You know, they got Felipe Franks, a quarterback. I mean, we all know that mm-hmm. one. But, you know, just, I mean, that was just like a small thing to show, you know, the strides this program has made just in this turbulent offseason, there, there's mm-hmm. talent all over this team. I don't I don't think Arkansas is very deep, but I think they got talent. So yeah. if you want to go their 22 versus Ole Miss's 22, I'm going Arkansas. And that's a big reason why I've got them number six in the SEC West. Am I crazy with that one? No, I, I'm I'm with you. I think Trey Knox takes a big step forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, – Henry's little brother play, yep. you know. I mean, if he's anything like his brother, then there's another athlete. And I, you know, Frank's had his moments, but you know, he also now now has a safety blanket back there with Rakeem Boyd, one of the best running backs in the league. So uh, I think the offense will be fine. I think Coach Pittman will get this offensive line where it needs to be, you know, and the defense couple little holes but like you said if you're putting them up against each other i think that would be a hell of a game i'm looking forward to that one i'll tell you that right now mm-hmm. so no surprise then based on those two picks no yeah no 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 surprise like i said this is this this next three i think it's a coin toss it's hard to pick just one mm-hmm. well i gotta do it for number five yeah. so i'm doing it yeah. i'm going of course mike leach mississippi state and i wouldn't even be stunned if they get they finish higher than this you know, I think it's mm-hmm. going to come down to uh, Zach Arnett and his three-three-five defense. And kind of the more I research this defense, I don't know if he's going to have the pieces to do it. But, you know, I'll give you a little football 
coaching info here, just based on just some of the research I've done here. But kind of the reason to go into that three three five is you do it when you're not going to have the elite linemen that maybe you know an Alabama, LSU, Auburn, all these teams got. So you go to that three three five, you maximize speed on the on the field with the five mm-hmm. defensive backs and the fifth or third safety is more of like a hybrid linebacker safety type who could play all over the field. That's the kind of crucial piece to that defense. Does Mississippi State have that guy on the roster? I'm not sure, but just looking at their recruiting right now, I mean, they're basically every defensive player they're going after is going to be like a hybrid safety linebacker type because I think they're they're really going to filter those guys in and out of the defense. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see what this defense does under first-year defensive coordinator Zach Arnett. But, of course, you know, the big story, Mississippi State, Mike Leach, K.J. Costello. I'm not convinced that they have enough receivers that they that they will fit this system. But I am convinced that Mike Leach and his offensive coaches, it doesn't really matter what they're, you know, who they inherit or what they got to work with. I think they'll maximize those guys' ability. They've been doing it for 20 years with the quarterbacks and the receivers they've been working with. So I don't expect it to be any difference here at Mississippi State. And K.J. Costello, you know, you've heard it 50 times probably this offseason, but most talented quarterback Mike Leach has probably ever had to work with since Mm -hmm. maybe Tim Couch, you know. So we all know what he did to the SEC. So just got a ton of faith in Mike Leach to throw for – his quarterback to throw for a zillion yards. Uh, But – I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, there's – I don't know. Mississippi State's just got more question marks than I think Arkansas and and Ole Miss. But, you know, you've got you got the Pirate back there. And I think that is definitely going to help the offense. I, you know, KJ – I don't know what KJ's going to bring to the table. Uh, I don't know what Garrett Schrader's role is going to be. You know, there's still – I mean, who knows? The pirate may have him out there running routes. Like you remember Matt Jones at Arkansas, (laughs) you know, who who knows what he's going to do. But, um, but I think the question marks help Mississippi state, you know, they haven't had that since Dan Mullen was down there. And, uh, you know, a high productive offense is going to be freaking fun. And, you know, it, 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 it could hurt the defense, though. You know, something you're talking about with that three-three-five defense. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're on the field all freaking day, you know what I'm saying? It's just it, it could wear them out, and and I don't, I just don't know. There's so many question marks. I, I want to say that I I can agree with you, but again, on the other side, I'm like, I don't know. I could see Ole Miss making a push or Arkansas making a push. It's just. It's a three-headed monster, and I think it's just going to come down to coaching, man. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, speaking of coaching, let's jump to number four. The Auburn Tigers, that's where I got number four. And I say coaching because, you know, what's it going to look like with Chad Morris brought in to run the offense? I think Kevin Steele's the best defensive coordinator in the SEC, but there's a lot of turnover on that Auburn defensive side of the ball. But I just got enough faith in Kevin Steele to where that defense is not going to fall off a cliff. The biggest thing is just, you know, how far does Bo Nix make that second-year leap? You know, that's going to be talked at, you know, where that's been discussed all offseason. But to me, I think the real key for Auburn is how are they going to manage this totally reworked offensive line? Because last year they, you know, they had seniors all over this line. Some of their team leaders were on the offensive line. But that unit just didn't get it done. And that was surprising to me because, I don't know, it just seems like whenever Gus Malzahn has a good team, it's it's most, mostly because that offensive line clears the way for this ground game, and it just didn't wasn't really there for much of the year last year. And I think that really came to bite him in a lot of big games last year. So I just don't have a ton of faith that they can get that corrected with a whole new unit. And I, I do think Bo Nix is better than a lot of people make him out to be, but even the best quarterbacks struggle behind an inconsistent offensive line. And it's going to be hard for me to see Auburn having anything but an inconsistent offensive line this year. So you're predicting them fifth? No, fourth. Fourth. Okay. If let's just say, let's just play that game. If that happens 
and Gus finishes fourth. I mean, he's on the hot seat, right? You know what I'm saying? Like that, that that's not acceptable. As long as he's been down to Auburn, that he's taking steps backwards. Is it? Well, don't you agree? Maybe unless somehow he beats Alabama, then I think <laughs> it doesn't matter what the record is as long as he beats Alabama. Yeah. I don't know. I Auburn's one of those teams that I just. It's got a lot of stuff I love, man. I love these receivers. I really do. I, Anthony Schwartz is the fastest man on earth, mm-hmm. you know, and I just – I hope that he becomes a bigger role there at, uh, with Auburn. I, I love I love the progression that Bo Nix had. I, I think that he is going to be special, man. Um, the de- defense, yeah, obviously you worry about that because they lost a lot of talent. But like you said, you know, Coach Steele's always put – he'll, he'll have a defense ready. You know, that's just how good he is, and that's how good the players are down there. So, do you let – me, let me ask you a question. Could you see Auburn obviously moving up this rank, or, are you, or is this like an easy pick for you? Um, I mean, personally, I think this is kind of an easy one just because I think the three teams I mm. ranked ahead of them are better. But did you – That SEC might right there. <laughs> but one thing you hit on there – Auburn is going to have some outstanding receivers. And like I said, I, I do think I got a lot of confidence in Bo Nix. And when we saw Auburn kind of go to that warp speed, hurry up, no huddle type offense, mm-hmm. you know, they were pretty successful last year. So can you run that yeah. all year? I don't know. But I mean, Gus Malzahn hinted last year. He said, well, we just can't run that the whole game. I don't know why. That's what he did when he got the job. But uh, maybe just because Bo Nix wasn't fully comfortable with the offense, I don't know. But maybe he is this year. Maybe if they that could be if it, they go man. tempo, they go fast, they got the weapons. I think they got the quarterback. But again, and they, hell, they got some good running back talent as well. But to me, it it just comes back to that offensive line. I mean, you can go as fast as you want, but if you can't run block, you can't protect the quarterback. You know, you ain't going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I just can't believe you hate Auburn that bad. <laughs> All right, who you got next, Mike? I got the LSU Tigers, and this one I really struggled with. I almost wanted to pick them number two. I've been wanting to pick them number two all off season, but I got to be realistic here. Number three, and I still think you know you may look at that and say, "Well, you think LSU is going to take a huge drop off?" Not necessarily. I still think this team is going to win nine, maybe ten games next year. That's just how good I think the top of the SEC West is going to be this next year. But got a lot of faith in Miles Brennan. He's not going to be Joe Burrow, but he's going to be good with his receivers he's got to work with. I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I mean, he's the heart and soul of this team last year, the national champions. But mm-hmm. LSU does have a you know some really good running back talent coming back. And I think you know, this is just obviously just a projection here and just kind of get a guesswork. But based on what Ed Orgeron is saying in Baton Rouge and what he said last year, I don't think he was very happy with his defense under Dave Aranda. I think, you know, he just thought that they need to go in a different direction. They need to utilize these defense alignment a lot more. So if they're able to do that, Coach O, I think he's the best coach in the SEC right now and his recent record shows that. Maybe he's, uh, you know, hinting that uh, LSU is going to be a dominant defensive team next year. And even if LSU ain't scoring 60 points a game next year, you know, that they knock that down to 40 points per game. And they got one of the better SEC mm-hmm. teams. I mean, hell, they may have the best secondary. Uh, you know, we all know Derek Stingley and Jacoby Stevens and all crew. And they got plenty of defensive players. If that defense takes a step forward, it's I'm not going to be stunned at all if LSU – repeats as SEC West champions as long as Miles Brennan is as good as I think he's going to be. Mike, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. I think Miles Brennan is is a legit quarterback. I think you're going to see that from day one. I mean, don't forget, two years ago, it was a comp- competition between him and Joe, and uh, he's got his opportunity now. He's got uh, – I mean, Jamar Chase, just throw it up to Jamar Chase a few times. You'll be all right. You'll get comfortable. But I, I just – for every one, two, three great pieces on this team, there's about ten pieces missing because you got to remember the whole team went to the NFL last year, it felt like. So there's obviously going to be some sort of setback. And I think this is a big this is a big challenge for Coach. You know, he not, he had to replace his whole team, keep them pumped up, and, and go into the, the, this season. So 
would not surprise me, like you said, if they if they really make a run and we're looking at the end of next year and they're the SEC West champion. That would not blow my mind. But it's also going to be, you know, uh, there's a chance that they don't. You know, there's a chance they could lose two or three games. And, and that may have to do more with just – being a new squad you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. well speaking of a new squad here that's a big reason why i got the team pick number one in the sec west i'm gonna do one and two together here because it's not a new squad and that's the texas a&m aggies number one in the sec west alabama number two similar to what i said about the gators a lot of continuity there on the aggies with Kellen Mond returning, obviously, both coordinators returning. You got a ton of offensive line experience returning for the Aggies. Love the job Mike Elko's doing with that defense. I think they're going to start the season 10-0 and before they get to Alabama and LSU. And as long as they, are, they manage to split those games, or hell, they, hell, they might even win them both, but if they split those games, I think they're going to win the SEC West. Is that uh, how stunning is that? God, that's very stunning, Mike. You know, <laughs> I just want to know: Are you going to be tweeting this out with that SEC podcast, <laughs> or is this coming off your personal Twitter page? Because I'll I'll shoot you a retweet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's a lot of people out here that think this is Texas A&M's year, so it's no surprise that 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 you're giving them the love because they deserve it, man. They've got a lot of talent on that roster. They've got a, a senior-led quarterback, Kellamon. Like if 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 not now, then then when? There is no more win. This is it. This is the last. This is the last dance. So, I mean, if there were an opportunity for Texas A&M to actually win the West, you'd think it would be this year. You know, with the transition of that. Oh God, Nick Saban's here. <laughs> You're at Lightning. Damn, I'm sorry, Nick. I didn't mean it. I didn't pick him. Mike did. <laughs> oh jeez. um where was i you know you said a lot of stuff there mike a lot of good things but you know i i don't like buying into hype hype gets you in trouble especially when it comes to gambling so for me i'm gonna go with alabama right now just because i just think with the pieces that they do have coming back i, I think the quarterback play is going to be better than people expect i i think this is the year alabama runs the table again. I mean, it wouldn't blow my mind if they go undefeated. They got a lot of tough teams on that schedule, but I don't know. I just, I'm not seeing the holes people are talking about. So to, to put them over Texas A&M or Texas A&M over Alabama, I just, I can't do that right now. And it's nothing against Texas A&M. It's just, I saw the same squad I saw last year and they weren't last year ready to compete with the big boys. You know, Mm -hmm. they had a shot with Clemson. They had their shot with Alabama. They they had their shot with LSU. They couldn't do it. So I'm not, I'm not going to say one more off season, they're going to be ready. So uh, I, I could be wrong, but. Yeah, and I see why you'd question Again, that. This isn't my list. This is Mike's list. <laughs> I see why you'd question that. Uh, everyone's got Alabama winning the West, as always. But I almost feel like at this point we're just doing it because that's what people have always been doing. And, yeah. hell, it, ha- it hadn't even been working out. You know, I mean, um, <laughs> our guy, once again, Brett Sianca, pick six previews. He makes a big deal about not picking Alabama to win the West last year, not to make the college football playoff. And he's not he's not doing it again. And there's a reason. You know, I mean, Alabama's taking a step back, particularly on defense. And I expect that to continue. They got one player in the secondary returning. Everybody talks about, you know, they got all these defensive linemen returning. But, hell, they didn't do much with them last year. And, yes, they're, they're, they may have the best linebacking core in the SEC. I think I'd still give that to Georgia, maybe even Auburn. But Alabama's right there with the linebackers. But. I don't know. I think we're. The, I think we're those wide receivers, buddy. Now, I, see, I think. I think even they. I think even they. I think they're overrated as well. And and, and I hate to say really? that, but uh, well, that's you know they're very good players. I'm not trying to trash them, but when you got Rugs and Jerry Judy, you know, guess what? You can't focus on 
uh, Devonta Smith, and you can't focus on Jalen Waddle. Well, now you can. And who's going to beat you? They're going to force other other players to beat him this year. And it's probably going to be Najee Harris and that offensive line. You know, I know those are all stud players too, but just I think we're discounting just how much Tua meant to that program, and I think we kind of saw that. I mean, they couldn't beat Auburn without Tua, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I, I don't think they would have – they almost lost to Tennessee because Tua got hurt. Yeah. You know, so we're discounting the, the loss of Tua, I think, too much there with Alabama. Maybe this Bryce Young, maybe he's the next Tua. If he is, hell, Alabama will probably win the West again, but <laughs> – I don't know. And then you look at it, they got to go to LSU, to Tennessee, Texas A&M, second to last week of the season. I mean, these are all games I could see them potentially losing. So I just don't think it's going to be the cakewalk that it has been for Alabama in recent years. And with all the combinations with Texas A&M, I think I got, I feel pretty comfortable saying Alabama is not going to win the West this year. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I mean, that that's your opinion, you know. You should have that opinion, Mike. And you may be right because unlike the East where we've just got one or two teams, that that I don't know. Here here we are saying the East is is up and coming, but then you look at the West and it's like, can I see Auburn win in the West? Yes. Can I see LSU win in the West? Of course. Texas A&M? Absolutely. Alabama? Why not? I I think that they are. You know, it's just that's that's a lot of teams, man, and there's a lot of question marks. You know, I, I know you keep wanting to say, don't circle Alabama, but damn, it's hard not to. You know what I'm saying? Go, especially going into this season with everything LSU lost, with, you know, everything that Auburn lost on defense, with, you know, Texas A&M, just what they were able to do last year, you know. God, man, it is really storming here. I think Saban is pissed. <laughs> I don't know. His, that little witchcraft spell, he found out that SEC podcast is trying to turn against him, and it's not me. It's Mike. The storm should be in Nashville, not East Tennessee. So, but anyway, Mike, uh, that's it's hard to tell what's going to happen, but that's the beauty of it. You know, eventually we're going to know who is the best in the East and the West. Absolutely. And for anyone, uh, you know, mad where I picked your squad. I don't think I've ever accurately predicted the entire <laughs> divisions. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh-huh. you know, take it for what it's worth. Just my thoughts and opinions and feel free to rip me a new one for this. I know you're going to do it anyway. That's right, man. Well, list season's over, buddy. You had to get it out. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Because next, next week we're talking real football. Absolutely. Well, I guess that's all we got on this one. Just not a ton of going on. You got anything else before we hop off here? I got some reviews. Uh-oh. All right, Mike. First one here comes from Kemic Hogg, my go-to SEC football podcast five-star. As an SEC football fan, this podcast has become a weekly listening. Thanks again for the content. Well, Kemic Hogg, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one, Kemic. Next one comes from Kentucky Holler. Great SEC podcast. The five star, the only SEC podcast that I'm subscribed. Love your show and feel like I'm sitting with friends at a tailgate shooting the bull. Keep up the good work. Go cats. Just getting started. Well, I appreciate you, Kentucky. Yeah, appreciate that one, Holler. Probably changed it after he heard Mike <laughs> talking about never mind. Gator Dobbs. Oh, this one's a five star for sure, because Mike's got them winning the East. I like it. Five star. Love the intro. Very good in information. Every show. Go Gators. Well, Gator Dobbs, I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Next comes from Hottie Matt Toddy. Five star. Great show. Can't wait for the new episodes. Well, Hottie Matt Toddy, I love the name and I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Let this thunder go by here. Feels like I'm at a Garth Brooks concert. (laughs) (laughs) Next one comes from DBD Golfer. Love the show. Five star. Been an active listener over the past year. Driving to work every day. Love the show and go Tigers. Mike, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you, Mike. Next one comes from C01 NFL. A lot of letters. They they are who we thought they were. Five star. (laughs) They ain't no mystery to this podcast. If you, you want a couple of good old boys talking about football happenings of the SEC, where it really does just mean more than this the show for you. Every episode starts with and is often littered throughout 
with the sound of an ice cold one being cracked open. And for me, nothing's more relatable than Cousin Shane interrupting the show from time to time to grab another beer. Every every team is worthy of discussion and is presented in an objective and unbiased manner. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Well, CO1, I appreciate you. Wow, what a review. Drink, get me a little sip here of that old cold beer. Next one comes from CJ Hagu. 10 out of 10, good podcast. Would recommend five star. My fiance played this in the car all the time. I ended up actually enjoying listening to it and have learned a lot from y'all. Two thumbs up and all, all that stuff. Well, CG, I appreciate you. Hey, yeah. Happy we could uh, bring you closer together with your significant other. What a strong relationship that's going to be, Mike. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're, they're, I hope they name their kids Shane and Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Next one comes from Bo76 Ride. Great show. Five star. First time listening. Loved it. Laughed and learned. Send me a koozie. JC Sherbert. Well, JC, I appreciate you. Yes, sir. And that koozie's all the way. <laughs> Next one comes from Ryan Obama. Best sports, best conference, best podcast, five star. Your podcast has been a source of true joy during this unprecedented time. Nothing makes me happier than talking SEC football, especially in the months leading up to the start of the new season. Thank you for all you do. God bless and roll tide. Ryan from Alabama, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Rhino. Yeah, I had you first. Mike had you second. Rocky Top 03, a ton of fun, five-star. If you're a fan of any SEC team, then you need to take the time and listen to Mike and Shay. Not only do they bring great commentary on what's going on around the league, but also have some fun doing it. Keep up the awesome work and go Vols. I really love a – I'm <laughs> <laughs> It says I'd really love a cookie. But I think they meant koozie. Damn auto T9 word got him. And I'm going to tell you right now, I would also like a koozie and a cookie, Mike. <laughs> Rocky Top, I appreciate you. Yeah, that cookie's on the way. Gary Brothers, five-star on the way to the Verizon store. Uh-oh, we got some extra work getting put in, Mike. So I had a few minutes to rate the show and write a review. The guys are great. They do a superb job in covering SEC football and keeping listeners informed on what's going on around the league, especially in this economy. May I have a koozie now, <laughs> Gary? I appreciate you. Yeah, actually, I mailed your koozie just the other day, so she should be getting it soon. Verizon koozies. I love those. Those are the best koozies, Mike. Next one, Jones Dog. Great dog. Five-star. Keep up the good work. Good quality SEC coverage. Not sure about all the orange, but it keeps me informed and positive. Well, Jones Dog, I appreciate you. Yeah, cheers. Chris Hoeth, that SEC podcast is the best. Five star. Love the podcast, guys. Y'all do such a great job of talking about relevant SEC news. I listen to y'all every week in Okinawa, Japan. Whoa. Keep up the great work, boys, and woo pig. Well, all the way to – I don't even know what time it is over there, Mike. I guess it's more time, and I just want to let Chris know I appreciate you. Yeah, how about that? All the way from the Japan. So, yeah, we. I assume you're in the service. If, if so, I appreciate you and your service. Thanks for listening uh, internationally. Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. How do you say thank you in Japanese? In Japanese. Oh, God. never mind. I had good intentions, Mike, but there's no <laughs> way I could say that. So thank you, Japanese friend. The next one comes from the Wabi, SEC, and Shane, my dude, five star. Love the podcast. I enjoy hearing all the analytical pieces that go into this game and hearing about the entire conference. Also helps to have a follow a fellow VFL on the pod. Go Vols! Well, the Wobby, I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that one. <laughs> this one comes from Ryan M. Complete coverage of the SEC five star. Commented before, but y'all are the best. War Eagle, Ryan, I appreciate the effort and I appreciate you. Oh, double review. Always appreciate those. Love them. Next one, BS Smitty thirty eight. Spurs up five star. Keeps it simple, Mike. Go Cox. Well, B.S. Smitty, I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely appreciate that one. Oh, my God. 
Mike, this one is a doozy. You may want another beer. <laughs> this one's from JRP, Razor Monkey, five stars. Shane, y'all's podcast is great and all. It's like the best, most balanced and humorous conference wide coverage. But that doesn't give you free reign to ridicule gifts of me, Razor Monkey, being spread all across Twitter. It's not funny. I'm a plus-size monkey, and my stomach looks like some balled-up homework. It takes more oxygen to fuel a chunky monkey, and I just need some air. I want to be clear that I do not have the coronavirus, as many have speculated. This film was taken of me without my permission as visions of North Texas fake punt flashed through my head. Besides, why is Razor Monkey the butt of all your zoological SEC ridicule when A&M runs out the border collie with the flowing locks wearing a sash and someone's great aunt fashioned for it. Well, JRP, I've read this about 15 times so I wouldn't butcher any of these words. But I want to tell you what, I appreciate you and I appreciate the effort, even though I have no idea what the <laughs> hell you're saying. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hey, five-star Razor, I appreciate it. Next one. Last one. This one comes from J.D. Weldon. Great content. Five star. Love the show, and I hope we get a listen to y'all go back and forth for years to come. Except for the fact that it's hosted by a dog and a vol, their personalities are those that make unbiased assessment. Even though Shane is a typical vol that says 15-0 every <laughs> offseason, appreciate the last and informative coverage around the league. Go Gators. Well, J.D., you are the new friend. And Mike is a, is officially a gator now, not a dog. But uh, I appreciate the, and you know, Tennessee could, I could see it. I could see him going 15. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate all the listeners, Mike. I appreciate all the reviews. It really does help us out. Uh, folks go to the Verizon store, get the job done. And that ain't easy, Mike. I will tell you right now, I went to the Verizon <laughs> store and they got, they made me wear a mask, <laughs> which I didn't have. <laughs> So they, they fashioned me one up. I had to wear it and I had to stay in line. I can't get closer to six feet people, but it's hard to show them a five inch phone from six feet away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so clearly I didn't get this thing fixed, but I, I did manage to get in there and, uh, and leave another review. So that should be popping up here shortly. So I appreciate everybody hanging out with us, Mike, uh, with your list. Uh, there's going to be some people that are going to love it. There's going to be some people that hate it, most likely hate it. I'm going, I'm honestly, it's going to come down to people. Florida's going to love you. Texas a and going to love you. Everybody else is going to hate you guys. <laughs> hey, I'm ready for it. So give me back your, your feedback, your reactions from that. And if you want a koozie free of charge, as you can probably tell by those reviews, been sending a ton out the last week and a half, two weeks here. All you got to do, give us a five-star written review. We really do appreciate each and every one of those. That helps grow the show. That's why we ask you to do it. And we send those koozies to you free of charge as a way of saying thanks. And you can reach out to us at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. We're happy to do that for you. So thanks again for all the reviews. Thanks for tuning in. Shane, thank you for joining me as always. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. 15-0, baby. Go balls. <laughs>